1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and look at verse number 20. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he is talking about idols. He's talking about communion. He's talking about sacraments. He's talking about the Lord's table. And he ends at the end of the chapter. Verse number 20, he says, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. You got to figure out what table you're going to partake. You can't do both. You can't do both. It's the Lord's table, or it's the table of devils. That's what I want to speak about for a few moments tonight, the Lord's table and the table of devils. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us tonight in your word. I pray that you would strengthen us tonight as we open the scripture and we read it and we apply it to our lives in a day and age that we live, a culture in which we live, and an environment in which we live. Help us to be the people of God directed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The theme tonight of <clears throat> what I'm going to speak about is the concept and the necessity of holiness in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is one of the most basic characteristics of God's nature. If you are to, to try to find a descriptive term that is most characteristic of God, the best word that you can come up with in the scripture is that he is a God that is holy. His essence and his nature is holiness. And what that refers to is his absolute perfection and purity. God does not miss the mark. We miss the mark, and that's typically what sin is in our lives. It is us missing the mark. God never misses the mark. God establishes the mark. God sets the standard, and he's a God that is holy, and we strive to achieve that perfection. We strive to achieve that purity. We live in a world that is not pure, that is very impure, but in the house of God, we are seeking out a relationship that makes us pure in him. God is the epitome of holiness, and he is the source of of all holiness and he imparts it and we are made perfect or we are complete in what he is doing this is why we are made holy by him this is why we seek him in the house of God this is why we pray this is why there needs to be a renewing of the Holy Ghost in our lives because every single day we're setting out on a pursuit of being and drawing closer to God than when we were yesterday. I'm still pursuing the man that I can be. I can be better. Everyone say tonight, I can be better. 
Say, well, I've been living for God a long time. So have I. But I understand and recognize within my own self, I can do better. I can be better. And I'm on that pursuit. I know I'm never going to achieve God-like status. That's a, that's a philosophy that is contained in Mormonism. That God is a God that starts out on something and, and, and he was just like us. And then he got to where he was over a long period of time. And we're going to do the same thing. And over a long period of time, we're going to be as he is. There's a big difference between that philosophy and understanding and the scripture's philosophy and understanding that, that we're not going to achieve what God is because God is holy. God is infinite and we are finite. And I'm pursuing that. I'm striving for that. I'm not what I need to be, but I'm going to pursue it. There's a lot of people that are not pursuing the things of God and the holiness of God, but we as a church in this century, we need to be a people that understand and recognize we serve a God that's holy and we are committed to being a holy and a separated people. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what the rest of society is doing. I want to be a child of God, directed of God. I want to be made holy by him. When the word holiness is applied to persons or objects in the scripture, it's talking about something being separated or set apart, something that is consecrated, something that is holy before the Lord is set apart to God, something that is holy is consecrated to the Lord. And so our lives are like that. We are set apart to God. God has great intentions for us. He has great plans for us. And so it is something that he sets us apart unto him. We cannot become holy unless we remove some things from our life, our conversation, our thoughts that do not represent God's nature. It matters what you take in your eyes. It matters what you put in your mind. It matters what you ponder and contemplate and think about. It matters on what you say. It matters on how you dress. I know we live in a society that wants to be a Christian and, and have that title, but doesn't want to follow a life of commitment and being set apart to God. And, and, and we're against that particular notion. Not the people, but the mentality. We believe that holiness is something that is a, a separated lifestyle. I'm separating my conversation. I'm not talking like everybody else. I've talked to people in restaurants before that had such a foul mouth. And then they came around to the discussion of, hey, what do you do? And I said, well, I pastor a particular church here in town. They said, well, praise the Lord, I go to church too. I go to church over somewhere else. Yeah, but your lifestyle and your conversation and the things that's coming out of your mouth is not representative of living a godly life. What you talk about, what you say in your conversation should be a godly conversation. It should be influenced by the anointing and the spirit of God. And so there's some things that we have to remove from our life in order for us to be holy. We are made holy when the nature of God, through the power of the Holy Ghost which is the agent of change in our life, takes up residence in our life. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you should be seeking the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'd be the first one in the front saying, God, I'm here tonight. I want to receive the Holy Ghost. It's the gift of God. It's the agent of change that can make a difference in my life. 
How can there be any transformation if there is no Holy Spirit in your life? When the Holy Ghost takes up residence in your life, he removes all of the stuff. That's what repentance is. It's removing all of the stuff that has taken up residence in who I am. It's removing all of that, and it's putting the Spirit of God that becomes the agent of change. I say, well, I want to change. Then get a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want to change in my situation. Then let the Holy Ghost flow. I want to change in direction. Then let the Holy Ghost flow. Because the agent of change is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost provides the power and the strength. You cannot get holy by your own works. You can't make yourself holy. You can only be holy when you submit yourself to the word of God and to the spirit of God. Now, if you're not going to be submitted to the word of God, don't expect to be holy. You're going to be carnal. And if you don't let the, the anointing of God and the spirit of God direct you and guide you, don't think that you're going to arrive at the status of being a spiritual person. It takes a commitment. It takes a pursuit. It takes a desire. And, and this is what holiness is. It's specifically when you say holiness, you're talking about God's nature. You're talking about separation. You're talking about dedication. But when it's talking about Christians specifically, it's referring to separation from sin and the world and a dedication to God. So it's separation and it is dedication. When you are dedicated to the things of God, there is going to be a byproduct that comes from that dedication that is separation. I'm dedicating my life to God. Therefore, I'm going to be separated to God. When I move in a direction of separating myself from some things, it's connected to a dedication to God. This is what in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 is meant when Paul said, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Holiness is obtained, grasped, obtained when we deny our fleshly desires and we take on the nature of Jesus Christ by submitting to his anointing. I don't want to be like Kevin Mark Bradford. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I don't want to be about a, a figure somewhere that's influential in society. I'm not pursuing that. I came to the house of God tonight because I am pursuing a nature that is above my nature, that is able to influence my nature and my being and everything about me. And it's going to happen through the holiness of God. Amen. It's only through a submission of our nature to the nature of the Holy Ghost that we become holy as God is holy. And the object, the whole objective of everything that we do is that so that we can be Christ-like. Amen. Nudge your neighbor and tell him you need to be like Christ. Praise God. You don't need to be like the devil. Cup of the Lord or cup of the devil. Table of the Lord or table of the devil. You don't need to be like and act like the devil. What are you in a pursuit of? I'm in a, a pursuit of being like the devil. Well, get on out of here. <laughs> okay. We rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. 
you devil worshiper you what are you doing in the house of God all right what we're here to do is pursuing becoming Christ like that means I take on the attributes of who he is that means I take on the nature of who he is I think we need to clap our hands tonight and thank God that there are people in this place that are pursuing holiness. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Powerful scripture. For the grace of God. Many times when you say grace, people automatically go to the lowest understanding of grace, which they say is the unmerited favor of God. And that is, that is what it is, but... This scripture here tells us that it's more than just that. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Doing what? What is that grace doing? Just applying a favor upon us that we didn't ask for? Not according only to this scripture. Because grace does what? It teaches us. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. This is where the word of God is so very powerful because that verse right there still pertains to today. Just as it pertained to the first century church, it's the same power, same anointing that needs to be applied to this present day, this present world. What do you need in this present world? You need the grace of God that teaches you to deny ungodliness in this present world. God expects and he requires holiness from those that receive the Holy Ghost. If you receive the Spirit in the presence of God, there is, there is no mistaking about it. Holiness is going to also be a part of that the same spirit and grace that brings salvation the scripture said in the beginning in Hebrews what did it say follow peace with all men and holiness what was the rest of it without which no man shall see the Lord that's salvific that's as ever bit as important as a new birth experience holiness is every bit as important as a new birth experience this is one of the distinctions that make us distinct in, in, in many, many movements. The apostolic movement believes that salvation is and a walk with God and a relationship with God includes a new birth experience and living a committed, separated, holy, godly lifestyle. This, this is the benchmark of, of, of not some church that started in 1943. This was the benchmark of an early New Testament church that came out of an upper room with power and authority and a message of salvation that impacted and changed their world. Changed their world. That should reflect in everything that we should do and we should be. And so just by way of introduction here tonight in defining holiness, holiness is these things. It's God's absolute perfection and his nature. And, and, and that is how it is defined. It's the epitome of his ability. It is setting apart and consecrating and dedicating some things to his glory and his honor. And so it ultimately drives us, directs us. It's the channel. It's the river with the channel that is directing us to be more Christ-like. 
If you're not acting like Jesus, what you need is more of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is going to channel you to be more Christ-like. If you're acting like the devil, you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about a breakthrough. I'm talking, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost operating and moving in your life like it did on Sunday night in which you walk away from this place feeling lifted up and elevated. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get somewhat cold because of the cares of life and things that transpire in our life and we just need a, we need a good we need a good washing and cleansing in the holy ghost i believe in the holy ghost i believe in speaking with other tongues as the spirit gives utterance I believe services should be so power-packed that any individual could be able to walk into a realm and an environment in which the Holy Ghost moves, draws, falls. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that you shouldn't have to pull and drag and try to do your very best like you're trying to pull an 18-wheeler to get people into that atmosphere. It should be something that just happens because people come to the house of God and they say, we want a move of the Holy Ghost. Nobody has to try to build it up, try to create it. It's natural. It's natural. I'm thankful for people that step out of pews right in the middle of worship and walk to a front and lift their hands and mag. What are they doing? They're putting a flag in this area up here that says we want to move the Holy Ghost tonight. And I want God to direct me and I want God to change me and I want God to challenge me. So this is holiness as it is defined. And it is essential to salvation. Hebrews 12, 14, we've read. John 3 and verse number 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Both of these passages of Scripture in Hebrews and in John give to us exceptions. Holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. There's an exception there. John 3, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So in both of these verses, there's not a totality of everything that describes what that holiness is or what that born-again process is. But it's there. It is there. And there are principles of salvation that are contained in both of those passages of Scripture. And so the Bible gives to us a roadmap. It directs us and it guides us. And so we know that the new birth experience is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is a new birth experience that takes place. And that's what John was talking about, John 3 and verse number 3. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Hebrews chapter 12, we know that holiness is something that is God's character and his nature on the inside of us that permeates to the outside and it separates and it commits us to the things of God and the work of God. And so after you receive the Holy Ghost, there is this conflict because you have a conflict between the flesh, which is our own old sinful nature, and this new nature that is the presence of God and the Spirit of God. And so in order for the Holy Ghost to operate in a productive manner, we have to continually crucify the flesh in order to be submitted to the Spirit. 
And in this battle that we are living, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a struggle for our soul. And the struggle is real. The devil does not want you to be holy because he knows there is power in holiness. I am absolutely 100% firmly committed that directly attached to salvation is holiness. And if you start eroding holiness, now when I say holiness, I'm talking about inward holiness. That, that's where it starts there. You got to be holy on the inside before you can ever have transformative changes on the outside. So let's just establish that fact. Most of the time when people say holiness, they automatically go to separation. And that's what they think. Holiness is something that is internal. It's God's nature. It's God's character. It's God's perfection that causes us to demark boundaries and set ourselves apart in a present world to be a godly people. I'll give you an example of that right now. Nowhere and at no time has it ever been as important for men to be men and women to be women and for that distinction to reveal itself in the way that they look and the way that they dress. Because in this present world, the carnal mind, I'll just call it the carnal mind, I'll call it the table of the devil, okay? The table of the devil and the carnal mind is to redefine all of that and say, we don't care what God says, we're going to define things the way we want to define it. And if you don't like it, we'll try our very best to make it hate speech upon you. And so there is a real tension and a struggle in this world that we live in. I want to be godly, I want to be right, I want to be Christ-like, I want to love but I also want to take a stand and recognize that holiness is very, very important. And as the children of God and the people of God, there needs to be a representation of what God originally designed from the very beginning when he said he created male and female. They have distinctions. They have offices. They work together. It's the fall that creates all this leverage and fighting and chaos and everything. God in the beginning put them together as a unit to say these two are the image of God and so our separation our stand on just the way that we look is important it's very very important the world is trying to overthrow all of those things it's getting crazy it's getting sad actually I really really feel for the feminists who have spent all these years trying to have equal status, equal footing, and everything, then to have the transgender movement overtake every area that they're involved in, whether it's track and field, whether it's weightlifting, and now they have an unfair advantage. Sad. You know what? We saw this coming. You remember when they started really going out against marriage? And many people said, it, does, it doesn't stop here. And now we're living in this present world in which we're seeing a continuation of that, in which there's just a lot of confusion. 
who can use a bathroom, who can't use a bathroom. There's lawsuits on the books right now about some people, some children, kids, students in high schools that are upset because of who's coming into the locker room and how that makes them feel, makes them feel disenfranchised. And so you got court, uh, you got social justice warriors, you got court decisions, you got a, you got a lot of confusion. I, I want to be godly, set apart to the things of God. I know there may be people that say this word is hate speech. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't tell me that the chaos that is in the world is, 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 is better than the word of God and the consistency and the faithfulness and the time-honored traditions that have been founded in this book that has established civilization and certainly ours as the United States of America that's based on Judeo-Christian values. You can't tell me that you're providing something that is more foundational, more structural, more cerebral, more intelligent, more logical. I think I'll stick with the scripture and say God got it right because he's a God that's holy. He's a God that's perfect. It's essential to salvation. There's a battle for holiness. Sanctification is a buzzword. It's not just something that we say, I'm sanctified. Woo, everybody takes off running. That ain't no, don't even know what sanctification means. <laughs> just sounds good. Worth shouting for. Sanctification, I'm sanctified. Sanctification is a continual process in which God continually works on molding and shaping us to become more like he is. I'm sanctified means that God is setting me apart and he's working on me. He's developing me. And so sometimes there's resistance, resistance from a world and sometimes from our own carnal mind, which we have to subdue and we have to bring into submission to the Holy Ghost. Because Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity, or it's an enemy, against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You're not going to get too far in carnality in Romans chapter 8. What drives a spiritual pursuit is an ongoing process of the Holy Ghost working in us. Personal holiness is not something that is coerced or forced. It is voluntary. I want to be holy, and yet at the same time, I'm resisting everything. You're probably not going to achieve holiness. But if you come to God and you say, God, I want to humble myself. I want to commit myself to you. I want to be set apart to you. God is able to perform a work in your life based on your desire and your submission to the Spirit and the obedience to the word of God that can change your nature. The carnal mind refuses to submit to the law of God. Holiness defined. The fact that holiness is essential to salvation. And so this is something that God demands from his people. How do we know that? First Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and verse 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. For it is written, be ye holy 
for I am holy. You can't be a partaker of sin and the things of God at the same time and expect to be holy. There's going to be some things you have to get rid of, suppress, tear down, remove, walk away from in order to be an individual that God allows holiness to impact and transform your life. This is what Paul is saying when he said you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Matthew said it this way. No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, which we have read, the scripture says, come out from among them and be ye separate. We cannot be spotted with the sinful and ungodly things of this world and, 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 and think that somehow we're going to be accepted of God. Holiness is that method whereby we separate ourselves from the world. Now, that's interesting because most of the time, holiness is attributed to separation. And I've already mentioned here, given you a caveat, that holiness is something that is inward and outward. But here's another thing to think about. Holiness is the method by which we separate ourselves from the world and bring ourselves into a right relationship with God. It's the methodology. Holiness is the methodology whereby I am in right relationship with God and I'm separated from a world. I'm not walking in carnality, but I'm trying my best to walk in spirituality. And so in order to be a person that is holy before God, I've got to separate myself from the sinful and the unclean, and I've got to commit myself to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1. I'm working at it. It's a method. I'm trying to perfect it. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God. It's a perfection. I'm working on it. I am perfecting. I want to say this. The ideal is that if you are born of God, if you are born of God, you will not sin. That's what the scripture gives to us. That is the reality that God wants in our lives. Every single day I have opportunity to live a pure life if holiness and the method of holiness is in operation in my life. Now, sometimes I may not measure up to that status. I may not make it to that watermark. And that's why the scripture says, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we have an advocate that we can go to. But ultimately, what we should be striving for is not that, well, I'm just going to sin, so what does it matter? No, that's not what we should be striving for. That might be the reality. The ideal is I'm going to live a, today, I'm going to live a perfected life as much as I know possible that consciously in me, I'm going to walk with God today. I'm going to get up in the morning and 
and I'm going to say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to face the cup of devils. I'm going to face the table of devils. But I'm going to walk in the ways of God. I'm going to pursue that. If that were not the case, we would not have scriptures that say that you are more than a conqueror. God intends for us to live a godly life. Praise God. Sometimes people fly too far to the reality and they say, well, that's just the reality, so that's just what's going to happen and that's what I'm going to be. If we live in there, we've missed the redemptive purposes and salvation of God. God never intends for us to stay there. He intends for us to shoot higher. I said he intends for us to rise higher, to develop wings that say, I can live in this present world. Hell may come my way. Difficult may, difficulty may come my way. Spirits may come my way. But the spirit of he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I'm going to live for God, walk for God. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to have a pure mind, my actions, my attitude, my spirit. I'm going to have a great day today living for God. to walk in liberty for where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty praise God now in the last 10 minutes here how, how do you achieve how do you, how do you get that we've defined what holiness is we talked about the the essentiality in terms of salvation and separation from the world how do you how do you how was it imparted to us how do we get, it's, it's a necessity. And, and holiness, ultimately, before I get there, holiness, inward and outward, is what demarks and defines some things in our life based on principles of Scripture. I've already given you uh, one. One is a, a conviction that God has created distinctions between men and women. That is a biblical principle from the very beginning. It has always been such. In the New Testament, it is that the men would operate lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and the women also in like manner. And he gives distinctions. It provides distinctions in dress. And, and so we live in a world in which we're going to stand out in that endeavor because <clears throat> holiness has developed a a boundary and lines of demarcation. And so that takes place. That's what defines some things that end up being doctrines in terms of basing our practical holiness, the way that we live, the way that we uh, operate, the way that we look. Those things are based on the desire to be holy and godly and separated and committed to God. Separated. And, and I was mentioning, I think I might have got off track. Uh, the new birth experience and holiness are connected together. Churches that are very, very powerful, we've watched churches that are very, very powerful start messing around and tinking, tinkering with holiness and separation, and then what happens is it ends up watering down their new birth message. Sometimes this happens with people that are very, very talented, and they rise. God elevates them because of their talent and their, abil their ability, and they start operating in a realm and influencing 
with other people and, and, and then it erodes their identity. And when their identity starts erosing, eroding, their doctrine starts eroding. And then what you are left with when it's all said and done is no identity and no doctrine. And so they are inextricably connected together. And there has to be lines of demarcations and boundaries. There has to be preaching and teaching that identifies those things and champions those things because if it's not preached, then eventually it will become marginalized and less impacting. We live in a present world that needs a representation of God's power and ability and his anointing. And he has called us to do that. And so how is that imparted to us? How, how do we achieve that? How do we reach that point? The only way that humanity, the only way that I can be holy is through divine assistance. I cannot do it on my own. I need something to help me. I need an agent of change. This is the last point here tonight. Holiness is imparted by the Holy Ghost. It comes through the Holy Ghost. The works of the flesh are not going to make me holy. <laughs> they are not going to draw me closer to God. Carnality is not going to get me closer to God. This is why we should reject carnality. This is why we don't want carnality on the platform. This is why we don't want carnality on the instruments. This is why we don't want carnality in the pews. Because carnality is not going to get anybody closer to God. You can't do it on your own. It won't be done on your own. And the works of the flesh will not make us holy. You got to get out of the works of the flesh. And you got to get in the work of the spirit. So that the fruit of the spirit starts doing a work that makes us Christ-like. You want to put the brakes on revival? Start walking in carnality. And so the agent of change that, that produces the ability to become what God wants me to be, to become sanctified or to be separated, happens through the power of the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, what sets me apart? The Spirit. It's sanctification of the Spirit. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. It's the Holy Ghost that's going to operate in my life because of his Spirit that dwells in my heart. He has made a covenant. He said from, from days of old, I'm going to take the stony heart out and I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you. It's not going to be just rules that you're trying to follow, but you can't measure up to, and you don't have a heart of flesh, and, and the law becomes a schoolmaster, becomes a taskmaster. It, it shows you where you're wrong, but it doesn't give you the ability to be right. The Holy Ghost is the ability to understand the rule and also understand the principles behind the rule that come from the heart. Ultimately, holiness starts from the heart. You can't get to holiness from the outside in. You have to get holiness from the inside out. And if you're trying to get holiness from the outside in, you're going to be a confused individual. 
you're going to have a lot of difficulties and circumstances, but if God does something on the inside of your life, did you know when a person gets the Holy Ghost and receives the Holy Ghost, they'll start doing some things that nobody tells them to because they know there's a difference between the table of the Lord and the table of devils. And what I've been doing is drinking from the cup of devils and not the cup of the Lord. So when the cup of the Lord comes into my life and I go home, I realize I've got to reset the table here. There's some things I've got to remove here because these are not the things of God. These are the things of the world. And they'll start making decisions. They'll start doing things that nobody tells them to do. It's because God is convicting them. Why? It's starting and it's originating in their heart. And God is molding and he's fashioning them. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Holiness is something that has to take place in our heart. It has to be something that gives to us a power and anointing that we can rise above those things that would become obstacles in my life. It's what helps me bring my flesh. Everyone say my flesh. My flesh. I'm not talking about this. Uh, this is sarks. Sarks. The Greek word for flesh. Sarks. It's not this. It's an internal nature. If it's this, then you'll start doing crazy things. You'll start beating yourself, pummeling yourself, and doing all kinds of stuff because you think this is the problem. This is not the problem. The problem is my carnal nature. And so in order to bring my carnal nature into subjection and walk in holiness, the Holy Ghost has to operate in my life. The Spirit has to operate in my life. It's got to flow from me. It's the methodology of what makes me right with God. It's what It's the agent of change that directs me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, the writer said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Doing what? Doing what? 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1. As we stand together. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is not an option. God demands it of his people. Holiness is not an option. It's not an option. It's something that God demands from us. He demands holiness from Be ye holy for I am holy. And not only that, if we truly love God, it will be our desire to be holy. If we truly are pursuing God, we will want to be holy and separated to him. Paul mentions in this passage of scripture that we are to perfect it. We are to bring it to completion. Not the perfecting in terms of a state, because you're always going to be working toward perfection. But in terms of completion, you can. Bringing about and perfecting holiness so it brings a completion into your life. Let me tell you one of the worst things that could ever happen 
is to have a form of godliness or a form of holiness without the power thereof. Man, I don't want to do what I'm doing just because somebody tells me to do it. That's a miserable existence. I don't want to just live based on rules because I'll never bring to completeness what God's wanting to do in my life. Praise God. But if the power of his anointing and his presence is in my life, it brings a completeness in my relationship with God, my dedication to God, my commitment to God, and my separation and sanctification to God. That's why I do what I do. And I do it not because of coercion, but I do it because of willingness. That God, I want you to mold me and shape me and fashion me. I want you to mold me and shape me and fashion me. Praise God. Why don't you lift up your hands together tonight and ask God to help you and to help me be a holy people unto God. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Lord, I thank you and praise Lord, you. Lord, prepare I worship me to sanctuary and holy. Praise God and true. Lord, I love you and thank you and praise With you. Separate us, O Lamb of God, with your glory. I'll be a living. 